The book of Hebrews answers one crucial question, why Jesus is best. We find ourselves in chapter 5 of this amazing book, here today on Truth For Today. Join us. There's a famous saying, all roads lead to Rome. And that is not true when it comes to all roads to God, all roads to heaven. In fact, the book of Hebrews lays out for us a great case about all of those roads and how they are insufficient. Why Jesus is Best is the subject of our time this week on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church right here in Hercules. Our time today will take us to Hebrews chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 11 with a message simply entitled, Do Not Crucify God's Best. Here's Pastor Phil with today's broadcast. Chapter 5, verse 11. Let's begin there. He's been talking about Christ's priestly ministry in verses 1 through 10 of chapter 5. And he's going to resume that again in chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9. That's the big theme that's going to carry the book. But as he began to talk about Christ is in the order of Melchizedek, that all of a sudden he noticed uh, this little film came over the eyes and ears of his hearers. And he says, about this, that is Christ and the order of Melchizedek, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And the word means no push in the hearing. You're just not getting it. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Three things I have us look at. 
verses 11 through 14, a dangerous condition to be in, chapter 5. Dangerous condition. Then in verses uh, 1 through 3, I'd call it dangerous substitutes. Dangerous substitutes. And finally, uh, dangerous choice and dangerous consequences. What's the danger that he sees? He sees them the moment he starts talking of Christ and picking up his superiority and now likening him to a greater priesthood than the priesthood of Judaism, the priesthood of Aaron. The moment he begins to talk of that subject, he notices uh, a lack of perception in his hearers. You're getting bored. You don't get it. You've become sluggish in your hearing. You've been in this congregation a while, obviously, for you've been exposed to enough teaching and enough preaching that by this time you ought to be teaching this stuff. You ought to have grown up enough and that to have experienced this so that you're instructing others about the superiority of Christ, the wonder of Christ, his great priestly ministry, but instead you just linger in, I don't get it. I don't understand it. This thing about Christ, ah, I just don't get it. And so here are religious people, Obviously, even to be impacted or even to show up in a congregation. But they don't understand what he's saying about Christ. And he says, I see this. You're in perpetual babyhood about the subject. You just don't, you don't go on. You don't get it. And we often use this to liken immature Christians. And there is an analogy there. Some of you have never grown up. You're still baby in your understanding. You just never grow. But this is talking to an audience. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. This is not a condition of growth, a condition of any further illumination, any further insight. Why have you become dull on me? Why aren't you getting it? That's what he's saying. Why aren't you getting this? I'm talking about the Christ of chapter 1, the Christ of chapter 2. I'm describing, but dismiss, you might as well go home because you're sleeping through it anyway. You don't get it. I want to do that a lot of Sunday mornings. (laughs) Uh, uh, You're not getting it. And so, okay, I'm not getting it. You got any more to say? Yeah. Uh, here's your problem. You're in a dangerous condition. You become dull to spiritual truth and spiritual words that I am describing Christ in the first 10 verses of 5, and I'll spend many other chapters describing. But you're already signed off. You've already checked out. You're bored. You don't get it. You're in a dangerous condition. And then he begins to describe them, and he begins to tell them the dangerous substitutes that they seem to be building their lives on. 
And he's really taking the things of Judaism that a good Jew of the day would have had as a part of their basic understanding. And they would have grown up with it. And listen to what he goes on to say. These dangerous substitutes that you are relishing, clinging to, but Christ bores you. The subject of Christ you're not getting. Watch what he says. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ, ABCs, basic, and go on to maturity. Now, that, that says, what do you mean leave it? You've heard about Messiah in Isaiah 9, 6. Micah 5, 1, he'll be born in Bethlehem. Of the seed of the woman will bruise the head. The Old Testament, you've got the Old Testament promise of Messiah. You've heard promises about Messiah's going to come. I'm telling you, he came. I'm telling you, he's now got a priestly ministry on high. You know basic things about Christ. Your rabbis have told you that. They don't understand Isaiah 53, but you, you Jews that grew up on Messiah's coming. Messiah's coming. The king is coming. They grew up with that. And he's saying, you've got to go on beyond your present understanding and what you've been told about Christ. Leave the ABCs, learn the rest of the alphabet. Then he begins to mention things that was a part of a Jewish believer's life. Look at this, things like this. Uh, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. What did they do when they did wrong works? They could bring a sacrifice. I'm sorry. Repentance. It was part of Judaism. Uh, Day of atonement. Nothing new. Nothing uniquely Christian about this. Uh, and faith toward God. Well, what was Abraham known for? Faith or unbelief? I'm a Jew. I've grown up here, and you ought to trust God. You ought to have faith in God. Good, good. Will you have faith in his Messiah? Will you put faith in Jesus Christ? Another subject. They already celebrated those heroes of chapter 11 and mighty feats of God and how God delivered them. That's part of their heritage. Sometimes... The more religious exposure you have, the easier it is for you to miss Christ. Because you start putting all your confidence. Well, I went through catechism. Do you know Christ? I was baptized as an infant. Do you know Christ? Uh, I was bar mitzvah. Do you know Christ? Well, you're counting on this. You can't, I've had people, I was an altar boy. I was this and that. I'd had different functions in the church. And he's telling them the same thing. You, you're laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, and instruction about washings. Now, what's this washings? They had instructions how to wash about everything. Get clean, do this. If you touch anything unclean, everything, water, absolutions, uh, water, all the time. Not water baptism. This is washing, ceremonialism. You're all caught up in all the rituals to get ceremonially clean as though it gets you clean before God. 
And it's doing nothing about your relationship with God, but it's very religious. It's very external, ceremonial. Uh, The laying on of hands. Well, have anyone ever read the book of Leviticus? They laid hands on the animals. They laid hands on the priest. They were used to, when you lay hands, you identify with it. They laid hands on their kings, on their prophets. Uh, It was a part of Judaism. We practice it. We lay hands on people to be identified with them, to bless. And so that was all a part of their heritage. Not bad, but okay. So you're all into laying on of hands and ceremonial washings and ABCs of Messiah. You've got all that going. Oh, some of you even believe in the resurrection of the dead. You remember if you just read the book of Acts in our daily reading? Paul, to get out of getting lynched, said, Hey, I'm being tried for the, believing in the resurrection of the dead. And he spread the mob up between the Sadducees and Pharisees. Pharisees believed the resurrection of the dead. Sadducees didn't. So, hey, they had groups of Jews that said, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. Good. The prophets said there would be. So, okay, you got that. Eternal judgment. Daniel 12, God's going to judge. You believe that? Good. But it's not good enough. It's dangerous. It's religious ritualism, ceremonialism, and externalism that insulates you from knowing the true and living God. And some of you grew up pure pagan. You didn't know anything. That's not good, but sometimes you don't have as much religiosity to throw off you're starting out, you don't know anything, and sometimes you're more teachable. Not necessarily. Others have grown around much more religious relics. Uh, I mean, you'll get people, well, this doesn't feel churchy enough. What doesn't feel churchy? The building. What do you mean? The, I'm, I'm looking for artistry, and we could use some, God knows. Uh, I'm looking for things that are religious tokens. Uh, Where's some idols? Where's some fonts? Where can you wash hands? Where, what, what's that got to do with it? The reformers and the Puritans, their buildings were so plain, only white walls as a whole, just sometimes pews that might be, you said, just on a plank that sits has anyone ever gone to church where all you sat on was a plank or a bench that just went no back to it? You see, in other words, they got away from everything that was external stimuli to religious awe. And sometimes people will complain of our tradition because it could be hang loose. You know, we start at 9.05 and you're still out talking. Well, if you go to some other church, you've come, you're used to genuflecting, kneel by the pew, get your mind, boom, 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 get in a mood. We come in, knocked off the last of the donut. You know, it's a total different atmosphere. Tell, let me tell you, honey. It ain't one I like. If my sister was alive, she'd be playing the piano 20 minutes before the service, and you walked into hearing her play, we're getting ready. We didn't just start at 9.05. 
Am I waiting on you? Am I waiting on them? Because you got in the mood through music and singing, that type thing. So these people have all these substitutes for the real thing. And they're, they like that. They like that. You're talking about something we don't get. Jesus as high priest. Now he says, let me tell you, you're in danger. You're in danger. And let me tell you what God has been exposing you people to. This first century, second century Jews, many of them had lived through the book of Acts. They've, they're hearing this writer uh, maybe exposed to the apostles, exposed to some of the most powerful church life you'll ever hear about, healings, miracles, apostolic preaching, apostolic signs, apostolic wonders. No generation had any greater exposure to the works of God in the church than this generation. This is written around 50, 55 A.D. John, the beloved, is going to live to 90 A.D. John the Apostle is going to write the book of Revelation in 98. These people have been exposed. You're hanging out in a Jewish Christian community, and we have seen God do great, great things. Now, let me describe you, and let me see what you're doing. You, you don't get the message. You're not following it. You're over here. You're all into your Judaistic ABCs. Play things in comparison to the real thing. You see, Paul, or rather the writer, is trying to get them to leave the old covenant, to leave the old shadows, and come to the substance, the real thing, Christ. Christ is God's best, and you're being bored with the subject? You're not getting it? But you still want to do baptisms? You still want to do washings? You still want to lay on hands? That is of no profit next to Christ. No benefit whatsoever. You want to count beads? You want to burn candles? You want to pray for saints? You want a priest to anoint you? Uh, you want a great Bach and organ music to create mood? You need idols? Wait, wait. What's all of this got to do with him? Even I met a sister one time and said, well, I want to know if you've got a gospel choir. I said, well, we do, but we also got the gospel. We, we, we got the gospel. Have you heard of the gospel? And I'm sure she hadn't. She had never believed it. But she wanted a certain sound when she came to church. Or one church. Yeah, yeah. Do you know him? Would you be bored if we talked about Christ? Now, listen to how he describes him. And here's the issue. Here's the, here's the argument now. The argument in verses 4 through 6 is this. Is this describing born-again believers? Or is it broad enough that it's not necessarily born-again believers? Here's the issue, too. Are believers uh, taught in John and other books that they will be kept forever? Oh, you all amen that. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. Once in grace, always in grace, folks. Okay. What do you do with these warnings? And let me tell you what expositors have done. If you read a guy like Kenneth Wiest, he says the warning's hypothetical. 
It's just, it's, he's just warning you. I know it doesn't apply to any of you, but I want to warn you anyway. I think it's a little weak. Uh, the view I grew up on is uh, true believer can lose their salvation. And many of us, that's where we grew up. That if you commit this kind of sin, which is over and beyond, this is some extraordinary sin, because even in the tradition that I grew up in, that you can be born again and get lost again. Did anyone ever hear of revivals and trying to get the backslider back? I'm sure you did. We grew up, we had to have revivals to keep getting those backsliders back. Huh? Just a tradition. We never said, you have sent away your day of grace. Thank God. You're backslidden. If Jesus comes, you're lost. That's what we taught. So you better get back while you have a chance. And if you don't, you're lost. Right? Okay? Uh, so this kind of warning is even tough for people who believe you can lose yourself because this is an impossible road back. You can't get back once you do this. Some would call this the blaspheming of the Spirit. It's scary passage no matter. Uh, I also have the view that comes out of Dallas uh, Seminary that he's telling them to go on to maturity, and that's what's happening is you have fallen away from maturity, and it's impossible for you to be saved again. So what you need to do is pick up your cross and start following. You resume your journey. And uh, I've held that view. I held the view you could lose your salvation. Uh, I've been wrong in so many ways, or at least been sincerely had many views. But let's look at these words. This is what he says they've been exposed to. Uh, You were once enlightened. And the word enlightened, some would take it to be, ah, they were saved. But the word was also used of uh, just someone that became mentally aware. It was used of uh, a student learning. The light came on. I learned it. You've been enlightened in the exposure you've had to the gospel and to this local church that he's writing. And so you've been exposed. You've seen God. Uh, You've seen God change your neighbors. Uh, You've been enlightened. You're not in the dark about Christianity, Jesus Christ, where he plays the central role. So you've been enlightened in that sense. You've tasted which means to simply you've experienced many things that were straight from God. Uh, But tasting doesn't mean that you swallowed it. Uh, It was used of Christ on the cross. He tasted the vinegar, but he didn't drink it. Found out what it was, and he had said, I thirst. So they gave him the gall mixed with vinegar, No, no more. And he says, you've sampled Christianity. Most of you here, just the very fact that you're here today, you've all tasted of Christianity. You've been around Christians. uh, You've heard preachers. Whatever your exposure's been, I've tasted of it. I've been exposed. I've been enlightened. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. 
As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to his knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855 833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard.